Hello and welcome to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers, located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 79. I am your host, Avdi Grimm, and joining me today is Nick Adams. Nick, thanks for taking some time out. Thanks for having me. Nick, if you would, uh, just introduce yourself briefly. Uh, I'm a product designer at a company called Huddle, which is primarily a, a video analysis company for sports teams. And we have a couple other features that we also do. Basically, we help coaches and athletes win, and they are based out of Lincoln, Nebraska, and I am based in Rochester, New York. I work remotely for them. Mm-hmm. And what does the product designer do? I start out kind of seeing what the priorities are at the company. I interview coaches, athletes, see how they use the product, and then we kind of sit down and figure out other ways we can help them do their job better or win or, you know, get recruited by colleges. And from that point, I kind of flesh out those ideas, put together some mock-ups. We work with the, you know, development team, build out some user interfaces, test those, um, do a bunch of interviews and kind of just iterate from there. Mm-hmm. Are other people in the company distributed or is it just you? There's a few others. There's the VP of engineering actually is distributed as well. Um, one of the main mobile developers that I work with is in Austin. Um, we have a designer in San Diego and a few, uh, obviously the sales team is, is throughout the country too, but, um, there's, there's, I'm not the only one. There's a handful of other remote workers. Okay. Now, uh, tell me a little bit about your history with remote work. This is kind of my second official stint. Um, at, right out of college, I started a design studio doing um, web design and consulting and stuff like that for small businesses. So there was a touch of remote work there and we were working with maybe an agency in a different city or a client in a different city. And then my business partner actually moved to Chicago. So we did some remote work in that sense, um, working on client projects. After that, I worked for a company that was based in San Francisco and um, I worked here in Rochester, New York. And it was slightly unique because we had two members here in Rochester in an office and then um, the rest of the engineering team was in San Francisco. So that was remote, but there was also a team here. And after that, I worked, I started working at Huddle. So that's kind of the spectrum of my history with remote work. Okay. And what has your experience been with it so far? Has it been um, a good experience overall or Yeah, I mean, mixed? It, it's been great for me. You know, it's given me opportunities that I probably wouldn't have had without moving to a larger city, which is not something I uh, wanted to do or um, plan to do really in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's it's worked out great for me. There's, you know, there's there's upsides and, and downsides. You have to make sure you communicate much more clearly. But there's benefits to that, in my opinion. I think the concept of distributing knowledge, which is kind of a requirement when you have a distributed team ends up having a lot of positive effects as you build out a company or a, a project. So, yeah, it's been great for me so far. So do you feel like having to put an explicit emphasis on making sure knowledge is distributed actually makes you better uh, better at doing that overall? 
I think so. I think it also, you know, it leads to a certain type of person to be in that environment, you know, to be working at a company that focuses on that kind of stuff. People who are self-starters, who um, are really well organized and who can work on their own and, you know, are, are comfortable sharing information and documenting things and having a process that everyone can understand. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of stuff is um, a good result of a distributed team. Can you give me some examples of how you try to share information and, and document your knowledge? Yeah, we use a, a, you know, a bunch of different tools. Like m- many companies, uh, we use GitHub for our software development. So, you know, there's pull requests and commenting and, and stuff like that. Um, we use the wikis there to document, um, setting up different things. Um, we use Trello for larger, higher priority things and kind of seeing what team members are working on. We use Basecamp a lot for discussions and planning. We're, we're in HipChat pretty much all day, every day. We use that a lot, which is great for kind of the, you know, the water cooler stuff that everyone talks about, the, the more casual conversations where you feel connected to the team, even if you're not in the same city. That's been really helpful for me so that I don't feel isolated. And just things like that. We also, you know, are really starting to document some of the processes I know as a design, as a member of the design team, you know, some of our front end tools and setting those up and how to use them on new projects is, mm-hmm. is a big initiative for us. So, you know, documenting that and, and, you know, on ramping for new um, employees is important. How do you handle that? Cause it seems like that's usually that kind of knowledge, you know, you, you struggle through it at first and then as soon as you're done, you know, you kind of forget about it. That's, is, at least that's been my experience. So how do you, Go about that. I think it's just a conscious effort to know that there is someone just starting up like you were, you know, a couple of weeks before. Um, you know, as you're aware that there are new designers coming on board or new, you know, new engineers, as you build a team, you have, you have to just be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of kind of prototyping that's done. So, you know, working out the kinks maybe on your own in a, a smaller side project. And then once you're comfortable with that, kind of summarizing it, putting it in a, a wiki or just, you know, a nice document. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the approach that I've taken and that we have taken. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, I think, maybe three different tools that are kind of in the vague area of project management. You, you've got your GitHub tools, you've got Trello, uh, you've got Basecamp. I mean, do you ever find that information, like that you're not sure where to look for something or do you have pretty well-defined roles for those different tools? No, that's, that's definitely a good point. It's something that we've talked about a bunch in some of our project meetings, like with, what tool do we use for what purpose and, and how does, you know, how do you filter through the noise? Sometimes there's, you know, with the entire company using a tool, there's a lot of stuff that may not immediately apply to you. So there's kind of information overload and that can cause things to get lost in the shuffle. Um, so we've struck, and we also use Jira for tickets. So, so we don't, in, in bug reports, we don't necessarily use the GitHub ticket and issue system to, to manage that stuff. So there is kind of a struggle there to, to really figure out where to look for what things. And I think that that evolves over time, but it, it is something we talk about. And I don't know if we've 100% solved it or if anyone really has, but um, it's something that we're aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I think it's something that a lot of teams struggle with. Mm-hmm. Have there been any, been any particular challenges that you had to overcome at Huddle or in the previous company relating to the fact that you're dispersed? I would say that there is 
kind of a warm up period where you don't necessarily know everyone personally. So, you know, w- without that in office, you know, random conversation type situation, it takes a bit longer to kind of become comfortable with the team and find your role and all that. So I think, uh, that's an issue, but, you know, Huddle is real, really good about making sure that, you know, we've, you know, have face to face opportunities. They, you know, flew me out there at the very beginning of my employment and, you know, had a, a long stretch of time where I met everybody, kind of got the, the background in the company and the product and it was a nice ramp up period. But even, you know, even with that, there's, there's definitely a challenge when you're not in the same city and, you know, you need to get to know people to build a product together. Mm-hmm. But we, we actually just got back from Las Vegas for our yearly company meetup slash party. So there are things like that are a huge help where you can kind mm-hmm. of, you know, see people outside of work and have fun and have conversation. And then, you know, when you go back to your respective cities, it, it doesn't feel like you're, you're disconnected. It, you know, you still have that you know, shared right. experience and connection and all that. What drove the adoption of a dispersed team at Huddle? Was it just uh, looking for talent? Yeah, I think so. I think the the need to find the best people, you know, they, they may not always be in your backyard. They're based in Lincoln, Nebraska, so they have the University of Nebraska, which is a good source of talent. But, you know, like any place, there's there's competition for that talent. And I think they just got to the stage in, of, of their growth as a company where they wanted to find some people who may not be in there in the city, but who would be a good fit at the company. Mm-hmm. So you, uh, you, you're in Rochester, New York, right? Yes. And you mentioned that it's, you know, you'd prefer to stay there. Uh, I always like to hear about the reasons that people are, you know, the places they are on this show. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what you like about your hometown? I went to school here. Um, and my family's here. So those are kind of two big thing, big reasons why I, I stayed here initially after school. Um, but as I've stayed here, there's definite pluses to living in a smaller city. Um, cost of living is way more reasonable, mm-hmm. um, which allows you to have, you know, a certain lifestyle where you can, you know, maybe live in, you know, own a home instead of renting. Um, you can go on a few vacations. There's, there's enough to do and I kind of like the idea of being in a place that's more up and coming and has potential and allows you to kind of build a community and shape it a little bit. Um, you know, there's, there's a ton of talent that comes out of, uh, some of the universities here. The, uh, Rochester Institute of Technology is a big tech school. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great students that graduate there and I feel like with the right opportunities, they would also love to stay here. And mm-hmm. the concept of being able to build something like that and maybe in 10, 15 years, having more of a well-known tech hub is, is something that's kind of, that really interests me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a post-industrial city in a way. You know, we have Kodak and other big companies that were of a slightly different era and it's transitioning away from that kind of place, but it's a slow transition and you know, it's not an easy transition, but you can see the sparks here and there. There's, you know, neighborhoods and communities and there's people who have decided to make an effort to try to do something interesting here and stick around. And, and that kind of stuff, you know, really uh, interests me personally. Are you involved in any local projects there trying to build up that tech community? Yeah, there's a few meetups. There's a, a friend of mine you, uh, does a refresh event 
which is, there's a bunch of those throughout the country, but we do one here. And there's a, a couple other meetups that they have, you know, just, you know, different types of um, development groups or design meetups and stuff like that. The, the universities are making an effort to facilitate that kind of stuff. We have um, a few uh, business incubators at the universities. I feel like the city is starting to recognize that we can't, just sit around and wait for another Kodak to employ 50,000 people or whatever. Um, you know, they have to start to foster these smaller companies that, you know, maybe a thousand companies with 10 people a piece right. is, is better than, you know, waiting for some giant company and giving them a massive tax break so they can build a headquarters here, right. um, which is probably unlikely. So I think it's, it's turning the corner. There's, there's a few things like that. There's people that I see at these meetups who are doing interesting things and, you know, not everyone knows about it, and sometimes not everyone knows about it within the city itself. So I think that's a struggle that we have. It, you know, it's the Rust Belt or, you know, even the Midwest mentality where it's not as, uh, you don't kind of brag about everything, you know, as mm-hmm. places like maybe Silicon Valley or New York do where, um, so I think we need to do a better job of talking about ourselves and what makes the area worth sticking around and the good things that we are doing. Right, right. Let's switch gears a little bit. You have another project of interest to remote workers, don't you? I do. I kind of ran into a problem that, you know, when, when I was trying to find opportunities to work at good companies that may not be in my immediate backyard, I ran into a small problem where it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to track down those opportunities and find jobs at companies who are open to remote work. A lot of the time, they may not explicitly advertise that they want, they allow remote work. Other times, it's kind of a, you know, we'll do it, but we'll really, really, really suggest that you come here and relocate here and we'll pay for your relocation. And it's, it never seems like it's something that's fully embraced. So I did, I just wanted maybe others to have an easier time doing that than I did. So I wanted to start, uh, yet another job board, but hopefully this one is of use and it can, and it can list jobs from companies who really embrace remote work and just, and have distributed distributed teams um, who have done it in the past and understand the benefits of it. So, you know, a place like that, I want it to exist. And so I've decided to try to build it as a side project. So it's, uh, it's called, it's, it's remotejobs.co. Uh, that's the domain. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just getting started with it, seeing if it really is solving a problem beyond just one that I recognize. And eventually, hopefully, we can get a good chunk of jobs listed there. And, you know, people can go there knowing that they're going to find good jobs at good companies who uh, respect remote work and offer remote work. And companies then can, uh, you know, also continue to list there. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of interesting decisions that go into the creation of a, of a job board. You know, there's the, the structure of, you know, do you pay to pay as a, as a company to list there or do you pay as a somebody looking for work to list there or both? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which fields, which, which sort of, you know, bits of information you look for, both from the companies and from people that are looking for jobs. I mean, what kind of insights have you had that, you know, in structuring that site? Well, you know, it is kind of a saturated little niche that a lot of, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of job boards to say, yeah. but, you know, I think there's, there's a space to focus a bit and maybe to talk about the concept behind the niche a little bit too. And I I think, you know, 
there's like you know like yourself with with the podcast has done a great job with that and and i'd like to try to contribute to that a little bit where we talk about you know some challenges and benefits you know because it's not remote work isn't for everybody or every company so my thought behind it is to maybe have something more than just listings maybe have you know posts from people who work at a remote company or some of the companies themselves maybe can mm-hmm. talk about why they offer remote work and why that you know they're posting you know in general on on the job board right. so things like that hopefully i can add a little more value to it instead of just either scrape another job board mirror some other job board or aggregate or whatever um you know just with a flag remote instead of you know san francisco california or whatever so that's the goal um you know it's a side project so hopefully i can make that happen but um that's kind of where my thinking is it might be interesting to have some guidelines for, you know, transitioning from co-located work to remote work. I know some people, you know, that it's, it's a, it's a switch. It's a switch in working styles. I don't know if you've experienced that, but sometimes it's, it's good to, you know, have some information out there. And that's one of the reasons I do this podcast is, you know, mm-hmm. understanding things like, well, you know, when you're working remotely, it's, you, you kind of have to over project information a bit more and things like that. Right. Yeah. I think. You know, that's, I, that's, that's a great point because I, you know, I try to make that effort as well. You know, understanding that the company has made, you know, a few sacrifices to build out a distributed team. I mean, there's, there's some HR overhead involved in that. So, um, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to work remotely. So then I make the effort to make sure I share what I'm working on in a very clear way, maybe more than, you know, just leaning over the desk to someone else, um, you know, documenting things like we were talking about mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's a great point. I think, you know, how to be a remote worker successfully is something that, you know, is, is worth talking about. Yeah. I like what you've, you've written on this site. Um, only positions that have an option to work remotely, no reloc- relocation assistance, no bait and switching. Is that something you've seen where companies will sort of kind of suggest that that remote is an option, but then, but not really? Yeah, I have. Um, I don't know if it is because they don't really believe in it or, or want someone remote, but they don't want to uh, exclude anybody. And it's kind of like, if you're good enough, we will, we'll make an, uh, you know, we'll make the sacrifice or we'll, we'll allow you to work remotely, I guess. Um, so, it, you know, I've, I've ran into that before and that's not, that's part of the bad experience that I had. And that's part of the problem that I want to solve. Like if you list here, I want you to be 100% comfortable with having a remote remote worker. And if not, there's plenty of other job boards to post on. Yeah. Also, you know, put, putting sometimes you see a listing where they put that, you know, we accept remote work in, in specific situations, but then the entire interview or the entire courting process is all about them trying to convince you to relocate your entire life and your family and all that. Right. Uh, to a whole other city, thinking that the only reason you're not moving to a whole other city is because of money. You know, it's like, oh, we'll, just, we'll help you relocate with some other <laughs> assistance. It's like, that's not all that's involved in moving. You know, it's not just hiring a moving company. It's upending your entire life. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that my kids will accept moving away from all of their friends if as soon as they see the stack of money in front of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the new bike. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of funny when when you see those posts. So, you know, I um, I often ask people 
what a prospective remote worker should do to um, you know make themselves a good you know a good prospect for a for a company that's looking for for people. Let me turn that around and say, what do you think a um, a company that's looking to hire remote people? Um, what should they do to make themselves a good home for for that? I think probably the first thing, which may just apply to any company, um, regardless of remote work or not, but you know to talk about the type of people you're going to be working with. I think any you know designer or engineer just wants to work with good people on a good product, and they, you know a lot of the extra fluff you know kind of doesn't matter if that part isn't true. So I think just talking about types of people, the types of projects that you would be working on there. And, and, you know, talking about your process, I think, is important when you're hiring a remote worker because, you know, I want to hear about how you, you know, is is everything just kind of, does it all just live in in someone's head, like, you know, one person's head? Do you have, you know, do you not have good, you know, software development processes in place? If that's the case, then it's going to make it hard for me as a remote worker to do well. So if, if a company can talk about that kind of stuff, you know, tools that they use, mm-hmm. you know, how they develop software, they kind of walk through the process of, of building something and, you know, maybe a day-to-day, here's how we work, here's how we build a new feature type thing. That kind of stuff it doesn't necessarily show up in job postings. No, it doesn't. A lot of times it's, everything is focused on, like, oh, what tool or what technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, get the bulleted buzzword list, which I don't know if that helps anybody. <laughs> Because, you know, it doesn't necessarily say what you're going to be doing every day. Right. You know, if you say, oh, we use hammers and screwdrivers, that's different than saying, you know, we're carpenters who build specialized, uh, you know, decks. Right. So, like, we talk more about the, the brand of hammer than we do about the end result too much. And I think a company, especially who's, who's trying to attract remote workers, um, should talk more about that kind of stuff, the environment, the day-to-day, the process, and, and you know, the people. Yeah. That's a fantastic point. Well, Nick, before I let you go, where can people find out more about you online? You can follow me on Twitter. Um, My username is NickAdamsSays, S-A-Y-S, at the end of my name. You can check out the the remote job board, remotejobs.co, which is kind of just a a landing page right now. But if anyone has thoughts, I'd be glad to hear them. If anyone knows of a company who's looking to hire remote workers and wants a good spot to list those jobs. I'd be glad to hear all that kind of stuff is great. You can check out um, the company I work for huddle H U D L.com. We are hiring. Um, we are remote friendly and we're looking for some good people. So definitely check them out. It's a great place to work. So that's kind of the gist for uh, how to get in touch. All right, Nick, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. And that's our show for today. The Y Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Bouquet. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm signing off.